It's Friday then. It's Saturday, Sunday. Uh, it's Friday then. What's up, everybody? It's Friday. Uh, if you're listening to this now when it's released, it's Friday. If not, I guess happy Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. Uh, I'm your pal, George Bootsalis, and this intro is coming to you from just myself. Um, we recorded an episode digitally last night with the fantastic, super talented, high energy Skylar Park. Skylar is a Canadian Olympian and she competes in Taekwondo. Uh, super, super talented uh, young lady. She was a pleasure to talk to, took us through her, uh, how she got into the sport, her career, how her family has an enormous amount of black belts. We won't let, I won't tell you how many, but it is quite, uh, quite startling to know how many of them are black belt, uh, black belts in Taekwondo. She's, she was a great, great person to, to chat with. Great energy. Uh, talk, took us through what her training's like leading up to uh, Tokyo 2021. We wish her all the best in her journey. Skylar, thanks for being uh, a pleasure to chat with. want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Saks Food Co., Guys, if you're hungry, if you feel like having a healthy dinner, a tasty, easy snack, go check, go check out Saks Food Co. With a great selection of heat and eat items like chicken strips, chicken nuggets, and more, deli meats, frozen chicken breast, frozen pizza at all great prices, Sac, visit Saks and find out why these products are gaining popularity and satisfying friends and family's hunger. It's brought to you by two sisters who want to see the, your grocery needs satisfied with enough cash and time left over to enjoy all the other good things in life. Order online at saxfoodco.com from, uh, from curbside pickup and come in to see their clean and friendly staff. Clean store and friendly staff at 3161 Wharton Way in Mississauga. Go check them out. The Super Bowl is coming up this weekend. If you need your food and your snacks and your wings and your ribs and, and all of that good stuff, get over to Saks right away. also want to give a shout-out to Cast. Uh, you guys probably can't see this. I know, I know you can't see this, but i got my nice purple Cast sweater on. Um, Cast is the tech startup that is taking the world by storm, the social media world by storm. Cast is the objective assembly of public opinion. What that means is Cast does not intend to serve you subjective data that fits a narrative. Cast serves you the objective data and lets you create your own narrative and lets you paint a picture of what the real narrative is. Um, media portrays or uses and portrays stats today that, that fits their narrative, their storyline, their agendas. That's not, uh, that's not really okay. Well, it's not okay. People should be allowed to formulate their own opinions and uh, see, the world for, see the world for how it really is and what it really thinks. That is what CAST intends to do. By allowing users to ask questions, um, raise ideas, topics, debates, whatever it is they want to find out more about, they can ask it in the form of a question and then users can participate by voting and commenting to create, uh, to share their honest, objective opinion and uh, have some discourse in the comment section. And then we give you the data to, to interpret as you see fit and formulate your own thoughts because everyone should be able to think for themselves. We are currently in the beta phase of cast right now. So if you want to get access and start creating your cast today or just seeing what people think and what the world, is, uh, what the world thinks as a whole, sign up right now at createyourcast.com. Shoot me a DM. Shoot Rick a DM. Um, at Bootsalis, at your pal Rick, at the Pals Podcast. Drop us a DM with your email and we'll send you a link today. Uh, we have a big, big, big release coming up over the weekend with some new features. So if you want access, get to, get us your info right away, guys. I will end this there. And since it's just me, LFG, that was a rhyme. Let's go. Oh, 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 oh,
live. We're on the air. Oh, there we go. Nope. Now we're live. Yeah, I, I see the little George's recording sign, so we're, we're good. Skylar, welcome to the Pals Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> we were excited too, and I'm going to start right out of the gate. Um, I want to know, how does a young woman get decide to get into Taekwondo and, and fighting? How does How does that happen? Yeah, so for me, it was kind of, I was just kind of born into it. Um, my whole family does Taekwondo. There's 16 black belts in my family. Um, so yeah, it's kind of been like, I'm the third generation of martial artists. So it's just kind of, I was started as soon as I could walk. And yeah, it was just kind of natural. They say I came out of the womb kicking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You've told that joke before a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So you Third generation, so I did see that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, your dad is your coach? Yeah, he is. So um, my grandpa, or my, my dad's family, they're from Korea, um, which is where Taekwondo is originally from. So my grandpa actually used to teach Hapkido in Korea to the U.S. military. Um, and then they immigrated to Canada, and in 1993, him and my dad opened up the Taekwondo school, the Terang Park Academy, which is where I train at um, now. That's where my dad met my mom, and yeah. It's kind of just started from there. So, yeah. Love that. Mm. And right out of the gate, when you first got into it, like, was it a thing that you just picked up and you enjoyed? Was it you were, like, kind of nudged by your parents and then it stuck? Like, how did it How did it kind of start and how did it progress? Yeah, it was always, I think, I don't know, I can't really remember when I was two, but um, I think I, as long, for as much as I can remember, I loved it. And I think at the beginning, they kind of, pushed me towards it. They said that we always had to do Taekwondo and get our black belts, but they never pushed us to do the competitive side, which I started a little bit later. But um, at the beginning, my mom had to hide while I was in class or else as soon as I was here, I'd start crying. So. <laughs> <laughs> like just crying because like you didn't want to do it or just crying like, cause is there any, like a particular reason? I have no idea. I think I was just super young and just whenever you see your parents, you start crying or you get nervous. I used to be a super shy when I was little too. So whenever they'd make me do moves by myself, I'd be scared, but yeah, no, but I've gotten used to it now. So yeah. Yeah. That's after awesome. a couple of years of practice, it, it you grow on it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's, that's actually kind of like, I, I can kind of relate to that. I, I don't remember the whole story, but I did. I used to do karate when I was very young. Like, at the local community center and the last memory I have of it I was I don't even know like four or five maybe in that range and I had to do a move and my dad was there watching and I got embarrassed I didn't want to do it and put to the kid I started crying and that was the last day I ever did karate your dad was so disappointed in you <laughs> it's yeah. more embarrassing like to do things once your parents step in the room you're like oh <laughs> yeah it's so true I don't like it's Sorry, go. Uh, no, I was gonna say, me and my brother did it. Same thing, kind of at that local community center. And I think me and my brother started at the same time when we were little. And my dad used to take um, karate as when he was younger, and he got uh, not high level, but he was super flexible and he knew all the kicks and the punches and the idea that it it's you know self self control, self awareness. So me and my brother did it, and we were in the same level, but he was way better than me just because he was two years older. So we'd go and do these not competitions, but your I don't know your your thing that you do yeah. and he was always way better than me and it was always so embarrassing because i'm like man he's so much better bigger and i'm just here and sucking we get in the car and john gets the belt and i'd get like the little stripe on my white belt yeah. or something. <laughs> that's so funny 
How, uh, so you said, we'd say 13 or 16 black belts in your family. There's 16. So Holy. both my parents, my, my grandpa, my grandma says she doesn't need one because <laughs> um, everyone else will fight for her. Um, and then I have two younger brothers and then all, all my cousins, my uncles, my aunts, everyone. Wow. Okay. Is it, is it a super competitive family? Like, is it like you all black belts, but does somebody try to compete of who's like the better black belt? Oh, it is. Yeah. All the time. So when we were younger, everyone was at the academy all the time. And slowly as my cousins got older, they started doing other things and getting interested in other things and um, haven't been around the academy as much anymore. But when we were younger, it was very competitive, especially with me and my two brothers. And then even with my dad, my dad got his black belt when he was six in Korea. Um, so me and my two brothers were always trying to beat his record. And we'd, we'd try and get our black belt before we were six. But then my dad was the one who told us when we could test. So we all got our black belt when we were seven. <laughs> wow. Oh, he sabotaged it. He knew you. <laughs> he didn't let us beat his record. <laughs> Nobody messed with you guys at school for sure. No, yeah. I know my brother always <laughs> jokes and he's like, I wish someone would want to fight me, but yeah. <laughs> hey, is it so, true? Do you know that that story that if you have a black belt, your your hands and your feet are technically considered weapons. So you can if you get in a fight, you can get charged. Is that true? Uh I have no I don't think I'm not. 100 percent sure you, i know people like brag about that like at school i used to hear kids who had like their black belts as well and other martial arts brag about that and say they had the certificate but i don't know where they're getting that because i don't have one <laughs> it's it's actually funny you bring that up rick that's actually a line in the movie once upon a time in hollywood and Is the it? fake yeah the fake bruce lee character talks <laughs> he says to brad pitt if i kill you my hands are lethal weapons and I'll get charged for manslaughter. And Brad Pitt goes, if anybody kills anybody, it's manslaughter. So kind of like, <laughs> that's, a, that's an old myth. I remember hearing that and I thought it was funny. But um, I wanted to ask as well, are you the only one in the family that's got like gotten this far competitively? Or is anyone like cousins, your, your father, anyone that really kind of took it seriously to a, to a higher level? Uh, so I'm the first one, yeah, in my family that's qualified for the Olympics and have got to this level. Um, my dad, he used to, he competed um, locally in Taekwondo, but he was a big speed skater when he was younger, actually. Um, and then, yeah, my brothers are following along behind me. So hopefully we'll be in the Olympics all together one day. But yeah. yeah. That's exciting. Wow. How, old, how old are your brothers? Um, one is mm, 18 and the other one's 19. Oh, they, they must go at it all the time then. Yeah, all, all three of us. We're training in the basement right now because of the lockdown and everything. So we've been in the basement basically since March. Um, so, yeah, it gets heated down there sometimes. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So, wait, can you, can you like, who's the, I mean, who's better? Are they, are they bigger? Are they, are you the, the, the tougher one? Like, how when you guys compete against each other, how does it typically shake out? I'm assuming because you're the oldest. Do you have an advantage or... Um, well, I would say I used to. So it's kind of funny because before the pandemic, I was traveling so much and I would train with them sometimes, but I generally go to training camps and find other females just because the style of fighting is different. Um, but now being stuck here and I only have them. So I've been training with them a lot more. And the last time we've trained this much together was a few years ago. So I could still kind of like kick them around and like play with them a little bit. But now it's like they're so strong and I have to be careful because like... <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, now I'm like, ah, oh, if I hit them hard, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I have to whisper to them so they don't kick me hard back. But yeah. <laughs> I just picture, you know, I remember being a kid, like playing video games with my brother and on the wall, we would have like the tallies, like who's winning. You know, I'm up, I'm up three games. So on. I picture your basement, just everyone's just tallying up. It's like, Hey, I got that point. That was a good shot by me. Okay. You know what? Got you back. Yeah, no, no, yeah, it gets pretty heated. But my dad, he tries to keep it, tries to keep it calm, but sometimes just gets what, carried away. <laughs> yeah, what's training like? Like, I, I can imagine pre-COVID, you probably have facilities and you're traveling a lot to train, but now with COVID, obviously traveling's not really allowed and a lot of the training facilities are closed. What, what's that like? Yeah, so it's been a little bit more difficult just because um, there aren't, us three are kind of the only ones with my cousin at this level in the province um so it's hard to find partners uh so i've just been training with my brother so whenever i'm in winnipeg i'm just training with my two brothers and my older cousin um which makes it somewhat difficult but so we're used to traveling a lot um to miami or other parts of the world i guess just to travel and find female partners for me to train with um at the same level so uh, that's been difficult just because girls fight so much differently than guys. Um, just having that adjustment and just the strength difference with my brothers. There's certain things that I'll do on them. And boys just tend to be faster and more responsive in that way. Um, so sometimes I'll kick my brothers and they'll like they'll be able to counter it super quickly. Um, and I'll be like, oh my God, it's not working. But my dad's like, but realistically, when you're fighting a girl, um, they won't do that. Yeah. So sometimes it's just like figuring that out. Do you think so? Obviously, being in you know in the lockdown, I'm not able to train against other female competitors in your you know your weight division or in your style as well. Obviously, that can be uh you know I guess a detriment to your training as you prepare for like the Olympics and you know when that when that ends up happening. But do you think that by training with your brothers, it'll be it, it can be an advantage because of their quickness and their reactions? Like, is it making you get sharper with your reaction time and your counters and all that? No, I think it, it definitely does, and it's definitely made me tougher. Even when I was younger, Winnipeg just doesn't have the same amount of athletes that other countries or other provinces do. So being able to spar a lot of times with males um, has made me stronger when I was younger. Even competing as like a two-year-old, there wasn't many other female two-year-olds fighting at that time. So I was always fighting with older girls or fighting with the boys. So I think that's kind of what made me tougher from the beginning and I'm kind of going back to that which is kind of cool right before the Olympics um and just getting kicked around by my brothers and getting stronger that way so yeah I think it is a plus obviously it's nice to get some experience with females um hopefully before the games we'll be able to do that but for right now yeah definitely getting tougher <laughs> so you were competing at two I was yes what, what's the competition look like at two years old because George George has little baby uh, nieces and nephews and I think George, one of your nieces is two. Yeah, yeah, she's right. Yeah. And I'm just, I can't picture <laughs> this tiny little thing fighting. It's like the funniest thing because we wear our chest protectors and our helmets, so we just look like giant bobbleheads. <laughs> and like even now, watching the two-year-olds at local competitions and stuff, it's so cute. And whenever they fall over, they can't get back up because the chest protectors are so big. So they're kind of <laughs> like stuck, and someone has to lift them up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so did you just for two years old, you're just like whooping everybody's butt, like kids that were two, three, four, everyone, everyone kind of your age and older. I would like to say yes, but I, wow. I don't think so. <laughs> That's actually really two years old. Like my cousins are, my nieces and nephews are just starting to like. I mean, there's a few that are kind of advanced. They're walking, talking. They can play. Like they're playing sports. They're pretty like 
they're pretty, I think, far along, but I can't picture them like, yeah, trying to Taekwondo or any kind of combat sport for that matter. Like, you, you need a lot of hand eye coordination. Kind of, yeah. And yeah, it's kind of I just think, pushing each other and just running around. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I was four years old, three or four, I started playing hockey. And I was going to win an award for being the youngest person in the league. And my mom would tell me that I'd get on the ice, I'd step on, I would drop, and start doing snow angels. And then maybe after like five weeks, I'd just quit because I would just sit on the bench and cry. <laughs> and that's, that's my, my first experience with sports. That's what I did. <laughs> did you ever actually play hockey though or just make snow yeah no eventually, eventually i ended up playing and i wasn't you know a superstar or anything but i was you know a decent hockey player good enough that i i could still play men's league and have a good time now but <laughs> i wasn't going to the nhl and my dad probably still thinks that i i have a chance maybe good frank <laughs> that's awesome is there uh you know growing up obviously in a competitive family and, and your father being your coach have you always loved it as much as you do? Is there ever a time where, you know, you face some adversity and you thought, you know, I don't know I want to do this forever? Or has it always been a lifelong kind of goal and, and dream of yours to fight in the Olympics? I think it's always been there. And I don't remember exactly when, but I always just remember telling my dad that I wanted to win a gold medal at the Olympics. And that's just like always been something that I've, that I've told him since I was little. Um, and I think obviously there's days where the training's hard and you're tired and you don't want to do it. But I think as a whole, that's always just been in the back of my mind. And I've always just, just loved it. Like, it's weird. I just like love training. I love competing. Like, I just love all of it. So I think, um, I think it has to do with the fact that it's so much a family thing for me and I'm with my family all the time. And I'm so supported when I'm participating in my sport and when I win when I lose like I have so much support behind me which I think helps and is super important so yeah I think I've just always loved it Love that. when, when did you I realize oh sorry go George no no I was gonna say I think it's yeah like, that's gotta be I mean we're Ricky and I are both super family oriented like our I mean our families have actually now become close we, we met at university <laughs> like we all became buddies but I think that also makes a big difference right if you feel like you're kind of alone on an island and you know, you're the only one that does it. It's different. But if, you're, if it's kind of like a ties your whole family together. I mean, I can't even imagine what that's like, like 16, whatever, black belts. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, great. Really you get great advice from everybody. No, for sure. And it's the best. Sometimes I'll come home from competition and my grandpa, he will have watched it live on his TV and he calls me over to his house and I'll sit there and he'll play the he'll make me try and pull up the video because he doesn't know how and I pull it up and then he'll just critique everything I did and give me pointers so it's awesome oh oh there we go am I back she's yeah. back okay sorry I don't know what happened it just logged kicked me out don't worry I when we when we first started um doing virtual back in back in I want to say April my computer I don't know if it's the computer or the wi-fi at my parents house where I'm I'm kind of living in this lockdown state I would ask a question and halfway through the question or right after I finished asking the question, it would cut out. And George is the one that's recording on his end. So you could literally just hear me cut out and I would try and sneak back in 10 minutes later and be like, ha ha ha. Yeah, that's so funny. It's always so awkward. People are like, Rick, what happened? You disappeared for like six minutes. And then you just rejoined the conversation. I'm sitting here all awkward and then like, I'm, and then I'm like listening and then I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll fill in this answer. And then it just, yeah. I have a couple times, but <laughs> That's awesome. uh, we're fine. The, the good part about this is that it's easy to easy at this part. So, uh, but yeah, Scott. So I, I was asking, when did you know that 
you were, you know, obviously you're going to be great and this is your sport and you got a, a chance at the Olympics and being a world champion. Yeah, I don't really know. I think it was kind of just like gradually, I just slowly kept building and slowly kept um, getting better and seeing results and then started to like believe that I could actually do it. So I think going to the Olympics and winning a gold medal was always my dream and something I said, but I think as a little kid, you don't really know what that means. Like you see it on TV and you want it, but you don't know what it entails. And slowly as I kept getting better and just kind of moving up in the world and my name got out there and just kind of started performing on the world stage is when I really realized like, oh my God, maybe I can do it. And I think that's the point where it kind of gets scary. And I almost started to shy away from it a little bit just because I stopped fighting like myself and stopped having the confidence that I had when I was younger, just because I was like, oh my God, like I might do it. Um, so I think, yeah, that was like a huge turning point for me when I realized that like, yeah, I might do it. So let's actually do it. Yeah. yeah. Now, that's amazing. And so in, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit back in your career. So correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I think it was in 2016, you won the gold at the world juniors, correct? Yeah. So I won the junior world championships in Burnaby. So that was on home soil. And that was the first time I competed at a world stage. So that's the first time um yeah I had a world championship on the world stage against all these other countries I'd competed a lot in the Pan-American region and I was winning a lot in the Pan-American region and I I don't know but going into the world championships I just fully believed in myself and even thinking about it now I think I was like naive or I just I just didn't know because at that time you don't as a junior you don't know your competition really because um it's just kind of all over the place and whoever's the best in the countries you don't kind of keep track of it as much but I just believe so much in myself and I just like had this feeling that I I'm just like I'm coming here to win um and that's what I did and that's kind of what propelled me and kind of yeah opened me up to the world stage and everything just kind of went crazy from there <laughs> uh, yeah it's the first time you're not beating up your brothers on, on home soil yeah <laughs> that's really cool I, I think part of it is like you have to be you know, it's always good to have like some humility, but also, also when you're competing, you gotta kind of believe that like there, it's just all or nothing. Like I'm going, I'm coming in, I'm winning, I'm the best, I can do this, and like you have to have that, I guess, mentality, right? But do mm -hmm. you think that? Do you think that like from that point on, now that your career has progressed from you know your first gold, do you still go into that mindset thinking like I'm coming here, I'm gonna win? Do you have a little bit more? Like, are you a little bit more not naive, but like I guess like thinking about your competition more and like sizing them up or are you still walking in like I'm the best I'm gonna take down everybody yeah so definitely at a junior even at the beginning like I had full belief in myself like I didn't know what my opponents were gonna do but I had full belief in what I was capable of and I think I've always loved to perform so I was just excited because this would be my first chance to show the world what I could do and I feel like coming from Winnipeg you aren't exposed to that much and um I don't know I was just excited and I don't think I said it like outwardly but thinking back now I'm it always like amazes me how much confidence I had back then when I was so young and I just didn't even know who I was fighting so I'm like sometimes I wish I could still have some of that but I think now um you do think about it more just because you still I still believe in myself and my abilities but you obviously know who your opponents are um and that was as a junior athlete. So after that, I switched over into the seniors. Um, and as a senior, it that's when I kind of got shocked and I stopped believing in myself for a little bit because 
I was showing up to the Grand Prix and it was the top athletes in the world. So it was like the Olympians, the world champions. And I, it was the first Grand Prix I went to, it's the top 32 athletes in the world. And it was me and my dad walked in together and there was no other athletes from Canada going. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and there's like teams of 30 plus people. And I was like, it's literally me and my dad, like a girl and her dad from Winnipeg against like these super house countries. And I was, that's when first I was like, oh my God, can I do this? Um, and slowly as I kept attending the events, I realized where I fit in and that I belong there. But at the beginning, um, it was a shock to the system for sure. Well, yeah. And to that point, you said it must be overwhelming because you're just used to competing against, again, you're training with your brothers and your family. And, and I don't mean this in the wrong way, but Winnipeg's not exactly the biggest and most luxurious city in, in anywhere, <laughs> kind of, right? It's yeah. it's no, a little bit of a smaller town. It's very cold. You're, you don't, you're not venturing outside too much for eight months of the year. So then you're probably traveling all over, you know, even Burnaby's got to be a little bit different than Winnipeg. And when you're traveling to other places and competing on this world stage against these powerhouse 30 person teams, it's got to be, you probably get the first one. You're probably shaking your boots like, holy crap, like this is, I just feel like it's one of those movies. Yeah, no, for sure. It was, it was like, oh my God, I used to watch these people, um, like on my TVs and I used to watch them at the Olympic games and they've won this many world championships and you're like, whoa. And then you see them in the warm up area and you're training beside them. And then the next day, um, you're in the ring fighting against them or the match right before you. Um, I remember it was Lee from Korea, who's one of the most, um, well-respected and one of the best Taekwondo athletes in the world right now. And he was the one fighting right before me. And when you, when it's your match, you kind of just go in and you take his chair and he was like, good luck. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think there's like those moments where you kind of realize where you are and you're like, Whoa. Um, but yeah, throughout the years, I've definitely found my place and found my confidence there. And, um, I'm now, excited to perform and show the world again what I'm capable of. I love that. I, I want to ask what's, sorry, George, I'm going to go quick. What's the, what's the most memorable fight you have? Like what's the one that you're, you're going to look back and obviously to this point, obviously you're going to have bigger ones coming up in the near future, hopefully. But what's the biggest fight to now that you really look back and say, this is, this is my, this is my fight. Um, I definitely think there's been a lot of fights that, um, I remember, but I think that win in Burnaby, um, just because it was so big and it was my first fight like that and being on home soil, um, was amazing. So they had a bunch of kids come in from their schools and my whole family was in the crowd. So, um, I think that was just super special and yeah, I'll just remember that <laughs> forever. All 16 black belts in the stands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, is so Obviously, that fight's super, super memorable. Um, after you win that, when you start moving to the senior, the senior level, obviously the competition, like you said, is you know people have bigger backing, they have you know bigger teams, all all that with them. Is there one person that you walked in there and you like you just a team that really stood out to you? Someone maybe not a rival, but just a team that you're like, I want to take that, like I want to defeat this person or this country or this, but like somebody maybe someone you look up to, respect, and that would be a milestone or someone that you just didn't like too much and you wanted to you want to dethrone them if or take them down um I think there's a lot of really strong teams in taekwondo um and I don't think there was a specific team or specific person that I wanted to be but it's just it was just cool to be in the same space as all these people and I'd always dreamed of being there um 
and then I was there. Um, so yeah, I think it was kind of crazy and it's just crazy to see the teams and on one team, Korea is a very dominant country in Taekwondo and they have, I don't know how many world champions on that team. So, um, yeah, it's pretty incredible. There's probably 10 world champions on that team, um, all warming up right beside you. So at the beginning it was, it was very cool. Do you still have family in Korea? Um, I do. Yes. I do have a little bit of family in Korea. Do you ever just go back to visit them or to train? We've been there back there to train a lot. And actually in 2006 and 2007, those were my first few times going to Korea. And we went there actually, it was to compete, but it wasn't in sparring. Um, it was like a demonstration competition. So we were doing like board breaking and weapons and flipping and yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I saw the video you posted today of the little kid or you posted a couple of days ago, maybe of the little kid and their routine. Yeah. <laughs> the I was like, man, that's crazy. That was actually that video is from my um my second degree black belt test. So for a second, that was you. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> oh my god, unreal! I was watching. I was like, shout out to this eight year old or something. I was like, that's so sick. Maybe I didn't read the <laughs> caption properly. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was me. <laughs> Love that. So go ahead, Rick. No, I was gonna, I was gonna say on, on Korea. When you go back there, so did you only go back in 06 and 07, or do you go back kind of consistently? Uh, we go back pretty frequently. Um, the world championship, the senior world championships, those are my first senior worlds. Um, we're there in 2017, okay. um, so we competed then, and then we've been back for training quite a few times, just because they have a lot of depth in Korea. Um, so and they have professional teams there. So wherever you go, um, you can find a lot of very quality athletes to train with, which is, I'm always looking for training partners. So it's a great place and lots of countries. Um, we'll go there and train with different university teams and different, okay. um, professional teams there. Okay. Yeah. Where, uh, which, where, where in Korea is your, is your family located? Are they all over? Are they? Um, so my dad's family is from Daegu, um, which is more of a smaller town, um, in Korea. So they were, Yeah. My brother's actually named after the city. His name's Tegu. <laughs> actually, I don't ask it. I don't know the country very well. I did. I, I've been there once. I was there for like four days on a stopover toward to Japan. I, honestly, I thought it was one of the most underrated places I've ever been. Uh, I couldn't believe it. Like Seoul is one of the coolest cities. I didn't get to go. I think Busan's the other one, but I didn't end up yeah. end up down there. But yeah, Seoul was uh, was super cool. Really nice people there. Really friendly. No, yeah, no, it's amazing. And I think it is very, I think now it's becoming more popular, um, Korean culture and things like that. But yeah, no, it's probably one of my favorite places to visit. Yeah, love that. I mean, you're going to be, uh, assuming now um, with the Olympics, obviously, I guess coming up, I don't, to be honest, I don't know what's going on. I keep seeing like different reports now. It might get delayed, it might not, and all that stuff. So I guess even before we get to that, I mean, is there any, like, do you know what's, kind of going on with this year's olympics or i guess last year's that are now this year yeah still the 2020 but happening in 2021 um <laughs> uh, as far as i know they're still set to happen and i think as athletes that's just kind of the mindset that we have to have um and that we've had throughout this whole time with all the rumors and all the controversy um just knowing in our own minds that it's going to happen in training for that i think that's the only thing we can do as athletes um but I think it was a few, maybe a week ago or two weeks ago now, um, when that article came out that said the Olympics was canceled from some source that nobody knew. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember I was making dinner in the kitchen with my mom and then 
I got a text from my cousin and she's like, I'm so, so sorry, Skylar, that the Olympics are canceled. And I was like, what? Um, so I was screamed at my dad. He was upstairs. I was like, dad, come here. <laughs> um, so we Googled and found the article, but, um, I think a few hours later, um, the actual IOC came out and said that the Olympics are still planning to happen. And they just rolled out a playbook actually with all the protocol for COVID and how it's going to roll out. So it's nice to know that there's, um, they're thinking about it and there's actually rules in place that are, they're going to try and implement. Um, so at least there's a plan going forward, which is exciting. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you thought this far ahead, obviously, and, and whether there's fans or not, but you're obviously South Korea is pretty close. Pretty sure it's pretty close to Japan. Is it like, do you have plans for family to come from there? Are your, are your 16 black belts coming with you or like, what's the, is it just you and your dad going? Um, I think there was plans of a lot of my family coming. I don't know if that's going to still be possible. If it is, hopefully they'll all be able to come um, as well. But we had plans to stage in Korea. So we'll train in Korea leading up to the games um, and then kind of head over there just because the time zone is similar. Um, obviously plans are still in transition with COVID and all, but um, those are the tentative plans for now. And then hopefully one of my brothers is supposed to be one of my training partners in Tokyo too. So I think I only get one though, so I'm going to have to choose which one I want to come with. <laughs> uh -oh. We're going to find out who's the favorite brother very quickly. Oh, very quickly. <laughs> Why don't you make spar each other and see who whoever wins can make it? That's actually a good idea. That's I might put that up to them and see how they yeah, I call some animosity, but I mean, that's a, kind of, I guess, the fairest way. I'll live stream it too, so you all can watch it. <laughs> that was Pal's idea. And then they're going to come and beat us up, George. Um, I want to ask, what's what's training like for you? Like, we, we've had a couple other Olympians, and you're, you're our first kind of martial artist that's, that we've had on. We've had a UFC fighter, uh, Ilya Theodoro, on, what, maybe about a month ago or so. But what's training like for you? Is it strictly sparring? Is it a lot of technique? Is it mostly fitness? Because like on your Instagram, I see you do a lot of hills, you lift weights, you're, you're obviously very fit and active. So what's a, a typical training day or week look like for you? Yeah, we do a lot. So typically, um, I'll lift either uh, two to three times a week. Um, so lifting with my strength coach. We have a good team here, um, the Canadian Sports Centre in Manitoba. Um, so I have a strength coach with them. And then... Um, with my dad, it is a lot of technical work. Um, and just, again, I think I'm fortunate to be in a combat sport or the reason I like it is because it's always different and it's always changing. Um, it's not like, like I would love to be in track, but track, you're typically doing a similar thing daily. Um, whereas for us, it's always changing just because it's such a dynamic sport and your opponent, you never know what's going to happen. Um, so we do work on the technical aspect and then, um, we do like conditioning training, more physical, like you saw the hill runs. We did a lot this summer. I saw, I saw it with your brothers. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, so I think it's just a mix of everything. Um, and then there's obviously the times where we fight or else sometimes we'll fight cause we use an electronic scoring, um, system. So you have an, like, you have a chest protector and a helmet, um, that have sensors in them. And then you wear socks on your feet, which have magnets. So if they hit with a certain threshold, um, it'll score. Oh. Um, so we do a lot of sessions where we kind of play along or play around with that and figure out, um, the best ways to score the most efficient. Sometimes you don't have to kick so hard. You just have to kick, um, a certain way or just using momentum. So, um, it's a lot of figuring that out, um, in some of our sessions. So yeah, it, it just changes on the daily. And, um, 
yeah, keeps it interesting, keeps it fun. <laughs> is that how scoring is done for Taekwondo? Is it mm -hmm. based on how hard you kick? Or I, I sorry, I don't mean to be no, yeah. not knowing. I just know literally like almost zero about Taekwondo. That's the best part about this podcast. <laughs> we get to learn so much from so many different people, right? So I guess take take me and our listeners through Taekwondo a little bit. Yeah, we could have started. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. So, like, George, do you know Taekwondo? I mean, oh, so I don't, I'm not on an island here. Have you, you both only done karate? Yeah. So I, I stopped when I was five. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big, pretty big boxing fan in gen, uh, growing up, and I've, I've fought before in a, like an amateur fight, but uh, yeah, scoring systems, I only really know boxing in terms of combat sports. That's awesome. I don't even know how boxing works. Boxing confuses me. Boxing's not uh, an undefeated <laughs> champion on this, uh, on this Zoom call right here. Yeah, <laughs> George, one and zero, undefeated. Uh, yeah, I know combat scoring. I I didn't know that about Taekwondo either. Like I didn't know that it's like magnets and sensors. But I think all combat sports in general, even though I know the boxing system, like I don't know UFC. I mean, I know you get knocked out, but like I don't know other ones. I think everyone has their own, and they're all so different. They're all so different. No, for sure. So for us, we fight three two-minute rounds. Um, and in between there's a minute break. So you go and talk to your coach, get water, whatever. Um, and how it works is it's just whoever scores the most points at the end of the match. Um, so we wear a chest protector that has, like I said, sensors in it along with a helmet. So the headgear, it's typically, if you touch the headgear, it's supposed to score. Um, so it's not, you don't have to kick super hard to the head. And then what's called the PSI or like the strength of the chest protector, um, is different for every weight division. Um, so yeah, so you, we wear socks on our feet, which have sensors in certain places. Um, and you have to hit with a certain amount of power, certain up to that number. Um, yeah, to score. So it's so two points to the body and three points to the head. And if you spin, it's an extra two points. So a spin to the head's five and a spin to the body's four. Oh, so that's what you're going for all the time. Those spinning kicks yeah. to the head. <laughs> Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> How, uh. Is it, so that's the thing too, because I saw I, I I saw in your uh, in your Instagram as well. There's a picture of you kicking someone in the head, and it looks like you're taking their entire head off. Um, <laughs> but like, is that is the objective? To, like, is it like boxing and other mixed martial arts where you're supposed to like cause damage and severely hurt the person, or is it mostly about technique and just strategy and like you know playing chess, if you will? So it is a full contact sport, so there is knockouts. If you knock them out, you do um, win <laughs> automatically. But um, I think knockouts typically don't happen very often. Um, so I like to think it's a lot, I think it's a lot more technical than a lot of other sports. It's not solely about brute strength. And um, most of the time you're not trying to just kill your opponent. And um, yeah, it's a lot more technical. And I think there's a lot more finesse to it. And I like to say it's like a pretty sport, even though most people disagree. <laughs> um but yeah so I think it's yeah it's a lot more technical and a lot more strategical and I think one thing that was hard for me is coming from the martial arts and growing up being taught the traditional taekwondo um the technique over the years because of the electronic scoring system has evolved a lot so the technique now isn't the same as a traditional um 
traditional Taekwondo technique. So um, that's been something that's been difficult for me to transition because sometimes I'm a very technical fighter um, and I try and make my kicks technically sound. Whereas nowadays with the electronic scoring system, they don't always have to be perfect technique. Like you just have to know how to score. So that's why we're playing a lot with the system to figure out um, the ways in which to score, um, which is not always um, perfect technique. Okay. When when did that system come into place? Like, was it middle of? Like, did it come in recently? Is it has it been like from the start of your career? When, when did that come in? Yeah, I think from the start, or once I started competing more nationally, internationally, we definitely had electronic scoring systems. It's it's been updated, and we've gone through a few different systems um, as the sport or the sport as a whole has gone through different systems. But um, yeah, at the beginning. They used to actually, when my dad fought, we were talking about this the other day, they used to actually have like papers and the judges would sit around the ring and they'd have paper and they'd keep score with like a paper and pen. And then you wouldn't know the score until the end of the match, which I think like UFC and boxing are like that now. But for us, me and my brother thought that was like crazy and mind blowing, but <laughs> that's how they used to fight. So for me, it's always been electronic scoring. And then there's judges on the side with buttons and they score the punches. Okay. Yeah. Is your is your dad the kind of uh, the type that's like a traditionalist where he says like oh in my day this is the real way to fight and like the new way is not as 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 legit or does he like adapt it and said like okay we this is how the sport evolves? No, my dad definitely has adapted a lot. He just likes to joke around with my brothers and they grapple and they fight all the time, so they just joke around with each other. But no, he's definitely um, someone who adapts very well, and he's teaching me to not be as technical, even though it goes against probably everything that he's been taught and everything that he knows, um, to not be so technical, but no, he's very, yeah, involves a lot with the sport. I guess it's a fine balance, right? Like part of you, I mean, you know, even being a career descent, like you want to, you know, be follow the sport to its true like art form and all that. But on the other hand, you want to be a champion. So you got to kind of like balance what's going to get you this, but also kind of keeping mindful of like the roots of the sport, I guess. Yeah, so I think that's been something that we've had to do is kind of differentiate when we're doing the martial art and from the martial art um, and me, us being martial artists, but then now us being athletes and to excel in this sport and to win at the sport, you have to adapt and you have to learn what wins and what doesn't. Gotcha. What, uh, what music do you listen to to get fired up before a fight? Okay, this is actually kind of funny. I, I usually don't like to listen to any music. Like, I'm very, I like to know what's going on around me and hear things. I don't know if it's because I'm nosy or just like, I just like to hear things. Um, but before the World Championships in 2019, my dad, when in training, he made me listen to, he plays like all old music. So he made me listen to, do you know the song Relax? Like, Frankie Goes to Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he made me listen to Zoolander. Yeah, in training. And he said it went really well with my fight rhythm. So on repeat at the world championships, I had headphones in and that's what I was listening to like on repeat. That's why it's like, relax, don't do it when you want to get to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when my oh, spot, you know, like, your head like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when my Spotify rap came out, my number one song was relax and that he was my number one artist <laughs> oh wait <laughs> that's it yeah so funny so i mean <laughs> obviously 
I'm assuming this takes up a lot of your time training. You love the sport. So obviously you're doing, you're like kind of immersed in it. What else do you, do you have time for other hobbies or anything else like that? That's fun, I guess, besides, um, you know, Taekwondo. Yeah. I think when I'm outside the sport, I just like to spend with other people and kind of get out of my house, which is hard to do right now. But because when I'm at home, I'm with family, when I'm training, I'm with family. So like I love my family and I love spending time with them. But some when I'm not training, it's nice to kind of get away and see my friends and just hang out with other people. Um, so yeah, even when I'm traveling, like I'm fortunate that I always have my family with me. But um, I think everyone now is kind of going crazy being with their family a lot, whereas we're kind of just used to it. But um, definitely when I'm not training, just to kind of get out with friends and hang out. Um, and then, yeah, I'm in school also um, at the University of Manitoba. I'm studying kinesiology, so doing that as well. And, how, and how's that going? Or does it uh, does training affect the schooling, or do they go? I guess a good t- work life balance. Uh, I definitely like to have school just as another. I've always loved school and learning, and but I, it's just another way to kind of get my mind off of training um, and just allow me to fully focus on something else. Just because I'm so immersed in it. Um, at the gym training and then even say you have a bad day in training you come home you're still in the car with your coach you're sitting at dinner across from your coach um so it just kind of gives me an excuse to kind of get away and focus on something else so I'll be like I'm studying now (laughs) and kind of just leave but um yeah no I definitely enjoy doing school at the same time it is a balance um trying to figure that out I'm slowly working my way through so not rushing anything but yeah it's so funny. I work with that. Well, me and George both, we kind of work with our families and I've been staying with my family a lot of this COVID time. And there's days where I'm at work with my dad. We work very close together. And before I leave, I'm like, dad, do you need anything? No, I'm good. I leave. As soon as I leave, my phone rings. Oh, so <laughs> tell me about this, this, and this. I'm like, really? I just asked you. We sit down at the dinner table. It's either we're watching Jeopardy or he's talking about work sometimes. I'm like, dad, I don't want to talk about work. I don't really want to watch Jeopardy, but if this is what we're watching, then I'm cool with it. Let's watch oh, yeah. Jeopardy then, right? Yeah. No, for sure. I can relate to that. <laughs> do you call, when you're trained, do you call your dad dad or you call him coach? I call him dad, but actually just recently, this is funny, within the past like two weeks, he's like, call me coach. I don't know if it's a joke or if he's being serious, but I, I, I can't get used to it. I'm always like, dad. He's like, coach. I'm like, all right, coach. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so when when you uh, when you win the uh, the Olympic gold, you refer to him as coach, and it like you know it makes him seem like he's like the the, the brains behind it all, you know. Yeah. <laughs> George, what do you call your dad at work? I call him by his first name. I don't say, I would say I Yeah. So my dad's name is well, Christos, but it's Chris for short. So I've called him that for a long. Even from the, I've been working for him for like eight years working with him for about eight years yeah like i always never called him dad at work some days i will but for the most part no i think it just no. sounds weird yeah. <laughs> for me like you know, i'm wearing a big office and everyone's like you know if i walk in like oh dad can i do this and be like dad, yeah <laughs> <laughs> what do you, Rick, you call your no so when when we're in meetings with outside people i'll call him frank my dad's name is frank but mm-hmm. internally i call him padre i don't know why like hey Padre, like what's going on today? And that's it. It's kind of just stuck. Yeah. That's awesome. It's nice, yeah. It, it is nice. It's tough though. Like when you like like live, I can. I mean, you're obviously like day and night with your with all of them and all that stuff. But 
I kind of, I mean, we know it's like working with family, living with family, all those things. I don't get me wrong. I love it. Uh, but there's definitely days just like, okay, like, I don't want to talk about work right now. I don't want to do like, like, when we just eat in peace, don't bother me. I want to watch this stupid TV show. Like, yeah. leave me alone. <laughs> I know that feeling no, too. I completely agree. Yeah. No, I like, I wouldn't change it for the world. I love it. But sometimes it just becomes a lot. And especially when things aren't going well that day or that week. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be tough. Scott, have you, have you, oh, I was going to, yeah, I have one more kind of on topic. So besides Seoul being a place you travel to a lot that you love, where is another city that you've been to, whether it's the train or just the travel to that, that you really liked or really resonated with you? Um, I would say that's a tough question, but, um, Anywhere warm, like Hawaii is probably one of my favorites. And then also Dubai. Dubai was, like, amazing. It's just, like, you would think, like, futuristic. Like, everything's huge. Yeah, it was beautiful. Love that. I'm going to switch a little bit off. I I wanted to know, and this always really interests me. Have you ever had a major injury or even minor injury? Um, nothing, knock on wood, nothing crazy. Um, probably my biggest injury, um, was at the Pan Am Games in 2019. Um, so it was actually my first bat, my first match, like one of my very first kicks. I kicked and I overextended. And when I brought my foot down, I kind of rolled over my ankle. Um, and then I was trying not to show pain because I feel like you don't really want to show that to your opponent. So I was like, the match, I don't know, broke for something. And I was like, dad, I was like, whispering at him and I was like pointing at my ankle and I was like look look and he was like what he's like Skylar focus because I wasn't fighting very well at the beginning either and he was just he was like Skylar what are you doing <laughs> and then oh, I called to break and I was like dad no like my ankle really hurts and he's like how bad I was like well it hurts but I'm gonna keep fighting so I kept fighting and then I get off and I take off my my sock and all my gear and my ankle is like a balloon and I was like, oh, my God, like, why now? Um, so, yeah, we got my doctor, and she she iced it. She taped it all up. She fixed it up as much as she could, and I just kind of had to fight on it the rest of the day. Um, but, yeah, that was probably, like, the biggest one in the most – probably one of the biggest events I've ever fought in. It just happened to happen then. That was – you said 2019? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I have your, like, your your record thing in front of me. You won silver in 2019? I did, yes. So you rolled your ankle and won silver. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no big deal. <laughs> so, I think it's kind of like the, I think once you the adrenaline. Sorry, go ahead. I think once the adrenaline kicks in, like while you're fighting, you don't feel it. But then in between the rounds or after each match, I would just be like, oh, I can't even walk. But then once you get into the fight, like you can do everything. <laughs> I, I Wait, just picture what? you. Sorry, I just picture you like between between the the rounds, like in the corner, like Dad, my foot's really hurting. And he's like, "Just call me coach. Get back in there." Yeah, <laughs> that's almost how it went. <laughs> at uh, at wait, what which fight? At what point? Like, was it early on? Your old ankle? Like, was it kind of through the through the tournament? Where? No, it was first fight. Like one of my very first kicks. And first I first fight yeah. round one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So you're so basically, if you didn't roll your ankle, you probably would have got the gold. <laughs> Who knows? Who did you compete against in that in that finals? 
In the finals, um, I fought against USA, actually, a girl from the US. Are you guys friends? Um, I don't know her very well. Um, she's actually a new athlete that just kind of came in. So, um, yeah. Okay, so she, you're, 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 she's got the target on her back next year. <laughs> Big time. Is, is there like a, a, a world, I guess, a ranking system like that happens now? Like who, leading into the Olympics, is there like 57, kilo, I guess, 57 kilo kilogram weight division? Like, is there a ranking? Who's the best? Where would you stack up in that, in that division? Yeah, so we have Olympic rankings, and that's actually how I qualified for the Games. Um, so at the end of the four years, the four year cycle, so at the end of 2019, the top five in the world, um, qualify for the game. So I was actually fifth in December. So each month a new ranking comes out. Um, so I think right now, I think the rankings kind of paused for 2020 just because of everything happening. So I think I'm still ranked fifth, um, in those rankings. So that's where I'll kind of go in into Tokyo unless we have a few events before then, but yeah. No, any idea who the kind of top one top person in the division or I guess the weight division is and is it someone that you have like your sights set on do you watch any of their like fights to get to get some uh some knowledge of how they compete yeah so the top athlete in the world um is from Great Britain and she's actually she's won the last two Olympics in the division so um yeah she has a lot of experience and then the next girl um in second she's from uh, Korea and she's was the world champion in 2017 um, so both of those girls I fought before um, uh, basically all the girls within I think the top 10 I've probably fought um, just through at Grand Prix and different events but yeah so I think all the girls I fought all the girls and we kind of know how each other fights and obviously studying video is another big part of our training and just um, strategizing for different opponents so yeah we know who we're fighting in Tokyo what's the um like i guess the peak age for for taekwondo um typically around 25 26 around there um i think like in a lot of sports there's a lot of younger athletes who are doing well and i think um yeah i think it's just happening in a wide variety of sports and taekwondo especially or just from what i know a lot of the younger athletes are that are coming up are doing really well as well so technically on the young Oh, I guess so you can go to about three three Olympics, probably correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so this is obviously like your, I mean, first one coming up. I'm, besides competing and obviously winning a gold, like what are you most most looking forward to? I mean, have you talked to other Olympians about what the experience is like? Is there something that you that you really want to do, or some events that you really want to go to? What's um, yeah, I think there's a lot I was looking forward to. I don't know how similar it'll be this time. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously just competing and just being on the Olympic mats and performing is something that I always um, have dreamed of doing. But then just being in the village and being with a greater team um, and being with Team Canada and hopefully, um, I don't know if we'll get to, but walking into the Olympic stadium for the opening ceremonies and just things like that, that you always see. And, um, I've always dreamed of doing, and I think it's special to be a part of such a huge team. I had a little taste of that at the Pan Am games. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. That's awesome. I, uh, I was going to change direction from a little bit from this week to ask a couple more. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. To, I, that we, uh, as you know, we've had, I mean, you probably know we've had a few Olympians uh, 
join us on the on the Pals podcast and you like to kind of find out something that people can't either Google or Wikipedia or Instagram. So tell us one thing if you can think of anything that people can't find out about you online or, or from your social medias or anything. Do you have like a fear of something, some kind of hidden talent? That's a tough question. Um, let me think. A fear. Uh, I mean, you're a, you're a you're a fighter, so I'm just naturally assuming you're fearless. But maybe there is something <laughs> down there, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a tough question. I think a lot of people are surprised sometimes by the fact that I was really shy when I was younger. Um, I think a lot of people are though, so I don't know if that's something crazy, but, um, I was very shy when I was younger until I got my black ball and that kind of just like, there's like a flip, a uh, switch flipped inside of me and I kind of came out of my shell, but, um, I don't know. Matt, imagine how much more not shy you would have been if you got the black belt at six and not seven. I know. I, I should remind my dad of that. That's it. Tell your dad, like, dad, I was shy for an extra year of my life because of I you. <laughs> no for sure is there any uh like anything that you do like in terms of like hobbies secret talents anything else that might be kind of out of the ordinary um I don't know out of the ordinary but I really enjoy fashion um and have really been into that and just kind of like exploring that side of things so that's something that I'm very passionate about and um really enjoy so okay. yeah I don't know if a lot of people would know that but. <laughs> yeah. So then that's got to be nice having, because uh, Hudson Bay is the official Olympic sponsor, and they're, they've got to be pretty cool if, if you're into fashion, right? They sell basically almost like every brand. No, yeah, for sure. And I've actually um, been part of their bursary program, which has been amazing, and they support so many athletes through that. So I'm super thankful for them for that. But yeah, no, they definitely have. What do you want to do once fighting is over? Um, so you go to school for kin, so that's I guess a lot of that's related to the body and fighting, and that those probably go hand in hand. But what's post fighting look like for you, or post taekwondo? Um, I feel like I've been asked that a lot lately, and I'm like I'm not planning on retiring anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I still think I have a lot of time to kind of figure that out. But I am very like interested in business and kind of um, being an entrepreneur. And I know my family runs. Uh, Taekwondo school here in in Winnipeg and they've always um a lot of my uncles and aunts they all own their own businesses um so I think I've just kind of been grown up or grown up in that environment and kind of seen how it all works and um I know that it does take a lot to do that I know you guys must know starting <laughs> um the podcast and things like that but um yeah it's just something that really interests me yeah, and hopefully to stay in the realm of sport because I love sport and I just think it's so, so powerful. It's so funny because you're, you're in your early twenties, I think, right? I'm 21. Yes. Yeah. So I remember when I was roughly around your age, we're both 30 now. So we're a little bit older, but <laughs> everyone thinks that you got to have it figured out. Oh, you graduated university. Now you've got to have it figured out. I've had like five different jobs. And <laughs> now I'm probably on my sixth different job now. And half of them aren't even related. You know, I went from marketing to sales, back to marketing to construction. Now we're in, you know, the podcast is a creative space. Now we have, a, you know, we're in tech. Me and Georgie have a new app. So we've transitioned so many times. And a lot of the skills that we learn in school are transferable. But a lot of the skills we learned outside of school is what made us 
I don't want to say we're super successful by any means, but that's what's put us on the right path to success. So it's funny that, you know, I, I even asked that question. As I'm saying, I'm like, she's like 20. Why am I even asking this question? <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. And I think it's something that my parents have always kind of instilled within us that like school's important and obviously the things you learn there and, and, and having an education is important, something that we value. But I think just them emphasizing the experience that you gain um, just from life and whether it be from sport or from traveling and just different experiences like us always being in the academy and around them running their business and just different things like that. Um, they've always stressed is super important um, just to help you develop and grow and figure out what you want to do with your life. But yeah, right now I'm not exactly sure, but no, hopefully I'll figure it out. <laughs> you got lots of time to figure it out. Yeah. And if you, stay, I mean, like you said, you like to be, you know, staying in the realm of the fighting, staying active and something to do with kind of sports and, and all that. And, I mean, at the end of the day, the most important thing, I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but, you know, doing something that you love to do and getting to do it for a career and, and, and get, make money doing it as well is like, it's the, I mean, the funnest thing ever. And, you know, it's like, then it's like, the money's not a big concern either. It's like, you're working because you like it, you just do it and people see your passion and everything just kind of feeds itself. But yeah, we didn't have anything figured out at 21. So I think you're, you're, you're probably <laughs> right right now. I mean, we just turned 30 and we just, have, yeah, founded a new startup. So it's never, never too late to change direction. You, you know you've got the next like eight to twelve years figured out, and then after that you can plan down the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got a few Olympics left in me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Rick, you got any uh, anything else? No, no. I was gonna start to wrap it up too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. George, you want to do it? Guys, I want to apologize here and uh, apologize to Skyler as well. We we had some technical difficulties for some reason, and the last three minutes of the episode. Uh, cut out here so unfortunately we didn't get the you guys won't get to hear her answers uh of the last two questions we always ask but her when we asked her which care uh, which actor or actress she want to be uh, portray her life in a, in a film she said gal gadot uh, which she said she's gotten before and we we think she she kind of looks like her as well um and the advice that she would give to her younger self is just believe in herself at a younger age and she mentioned that when she got her black belt when she is when she really started believing herself but she should have started uh, from a younger point to, to really believe in herself, and that's the advice she'd give to younger athletes. So uh, apologies again, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Skylar, thank you again for being a tremendous guest and sharing your story with us. Best of luck in your road to Tokyo, and hopefully you bring home that gold for Canada. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, listen to us on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and that's all. Peace. You like to drink and to smoke to take away the pain And I don't remember all of my mistakes And every I got alone no one thing You're not alright, I'm not alright Take away the pain And you don't remember all your mistakes